2: You're it listening to do it. <laughs> A Mamma Mia podcast
1: Mamma Mia Out Loud Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud What women are talking about three times a week I'm Jessie Stevens. I'm Mia Friedman
0: And I'm Amanda Keller, back for more prizes
1: <laughs> I hope <laughs> We invited Amanda back We quite
2: like her. She's great fun, isn't she? She is. I sent her some rap tests as a thank you instead of flowers. I
0: loved that so much. I really did. I thought, where are we in the world, but I squealed with joy.
1: On the show today, we're going to discuss what Nick Curios did this week and why it is making so many people uncomfortable. And, of course, our best and worst moments of the week, which include some COVID
2: realities and some decluttering tips. But first, Mia. A young woman didn't smile and everyone lost their minds. Outgoing Australian of the Year, Grace Tame, snubbed the Prime Minister this week. Well, appeared to snub the Prime Minister with her facial expression. And everybody has an opinion about it. It happened on Tuesday. Grace was in Canberra for the Australian of the Year formalities and celebrations and to hand over her crown and sash to the wonderful Dylan Alcott, who is now Australian of the Year for 2022. And as part of all of that, there was a very awkward photo opportunity with Scott Morrison and she gave him or was reported to give him some serious side eye and refused to smile or make eye contact with him. Now, lots of people thought she was a legend for doing that and there was some very funny memes going around about, you know, young woman refuses to pretend everything is okay when it's not. But some thought it was wildly inappropriate. Headlines around this frosty, uncomfortable incident, and I think you can acknowledge no matter where you stand that it did look very, very awkward, There have been headlines from Why Young Women Aren't Smiling for You Anymore to Grace Tame's Year as an Angry Young Woman. And then on the project, it got very heated between Carrie Bickmore and guest host Peter Van Onselen after political reporter Amy Ramekes slammed the article that had in turn slammed Grace Tame that had been written by Peter Van Onselen in The Australian. Here's a little bit of it.
1: First of all, why do you feel the need to tell Grace how she should have behaved? But second of all, why should she stand there and smile and pretend it's all okay when there is an absolute catastrophe? I I didn't think she should
0: stand there and smile and pretend it's okay. I just thought she shouldn't go. Uh, If you can't be polite in some form, then I just think don't go. In the article
1: today, you spoke about how she acted as a child. Mm. You know when she should have been able to act as a child? When she was a child, only she was preyed upon by a man and, and lost parts of her childhood. Like in the whole conversation, how we talk about this, things like that, I'm unsure how that helps.
2: Look, she was even called a disgrace and all sorts mm. of other things. The Amanda, language was very interesting. Yeah, like the Juvenile, language was... bratty, yeah. immature. Amanda, you spoke so beautifully on air the other day on your radio show on WSFM about this. What is your view of it all?
0: I had to own up to changing my mind throughout the day, to be honest. When I saw the imagery, when I saw Grace, who I just think is wonderful, when I saw her standing next to the Prime Minister looking surly, looking brattish, I thought, oh, come on, (laughs) how hard is it to fake it? We all do it. (laughs) <laughs> to my shame it didn't instantly hit me that that phrase is the, at the heart of the problem. We all fake it, we all do it, we all make nice to make other people feel comfortable. And I looked at how her presentation it made me look at my own prejudices against that and I came out just thinking she's ended this year so powerfully. She's her most authentic self. And where do we get off telling women in particular how to behave and I look back at a whole lot of times in my own career where I've made the peace by smiling and playing nice and acquiescing and making myself smaller and handing my power away I was so aware that that's the thing what about the phrase resting bitch face used for Mm, women I've been accused of having resting bitch face what does that even mean it's just my face and I've had people in the streets, usually older men, go, smile, love, it's not that bad. Oh. And like you owe them a smile. And to end the awkward moment, smile and move on. I, I'm too polite to say what I want to say is why don't you piss off? Mm. And I thought Carrie had her own grace moment in that moment too, sitting next to a powerful colleague and she called him out on it. She could have just said, okay, Peter, there are your thoughts at the end. She challenged him on it. And that yeah. takes balls too, doesn't it? But it's such female behaviour to make nice for everyone else. If the girl smiles, people hate it when the girl doesn't smile.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad you said this, Amanda, because I felt exactly the same and I've had a real reckoning with myself over this week. So early in the week when I first saw those images and I first saw the footage, I had a few thoughts. One of them was I wondered if it would backfire and it would make people feel sorry for Scott Morrison because he was standing there next to someone who wouldn't smile at him and I went, oh, I hope this doesn't make him look like a sympathetic figure because he's a man who deserves a fair bit of criticism. And the second thing I thought is I don't like it when we reduce individuals to symbols and that's what I thought I saw Grace doing is that she was meeting this, he might be the Prime Minister but he's still a man made of flesh and blood and she's a woman made of flesh and blood and I went. Can we put the politics aside? What is this achieving? To go and be what I saw as rude to someone in a setting like that? Can't we still be nice? Can't we still have dignity and respect between people and disagree, but ultimately, you know, respect each other? And I realised that one of the reasons I, I was so sensitive to that was that I've seen it where on Q and A recently there was an episode with two women and there was a white man on the panel. And I really didn't appreciate the way these two women spoke to the white man, which sounds like an odd thing to say, but it was like they were using this man as a stand-in for every white man, the crimes of everything a man has ever done in all of history. And the way that they were behaving, they weren't winning the argument because they were rolling their eyes, they were tutting. And I thought, surely we're better than this. This isn't debate. This isn't robust intellectual conversation. This is. Did it feel performative? It felt performative and it just felt ultimately rude and I went...
2: And a bit like mugging for the camera. Yeah. Is that what it felt like? Like I know that there's lots of people who are watching me and I'm going to do something that impresses them. And I have
1: an issue with social justice being unkind. So sometimes people who are very into social justice can be really mean about it, (laughs) have this weird thing about it. So that was my issue. And then I sat with myself for a moment and went, oh, my God, this is my own internalised misogyny. This is my own irritation at myself for how many times I've done that. And I thought there is a viral image from years ago, and it is when Donald Trump met the Pope, and the Pope did not smile. He stood there. With this brilliant look on his face, and it was a silent act of protest. It will go down in history, and it says on his face, "This is what I think of that man." Mm. We've seen that image of you know a guy next to the treasurer. He didn't smile.
0: He led the royal commission into the banking industry.
1: Yes, and so he refused
0: to smile when he's sitting next to the treasurer.
1: And the world didn't end. And I don't think no. there were eight
2: thousand no. pieces.
1: No, and you know when else we got outraged was when kim kardashian visited the white house and she was doing something great actually she was defending a woman who had been in jail for too long was helping getting her out and she stood next to donald trump with a smile on her face and we read that as endorsing mm. everything trump had ever done
0: but it's interesting too because we spoke on this very program about the nature of grace and how she lives outside the bounds of the behavior that we expect of her And that's Mm -hmm. what's made her so interesting this year. So why would we expect that final act to be any different? She was raw and she was her.
2: What did you think, Mia? I had a very different response to both of you because when I interviewed her for No Filter, I was very cautious about the way I went into that interview and I knew what to do and what not to do because I'd spoken to her partner and I'd listened to interviews that she'd done about how she wants to interact with the media. I interview people all the time, you know, many days of the week and there's that when you sit down and they sit down and it's like hi how are you and they might be stressed they might be hassled they might be having tech dramas whatever but there will be a thing that they will do and it's like a mm. social agreement that's unspoken that we're going to do the thing and she didn't do the thing with me and afterwards i realized she has a trauma response when she's in situations where she feels threatened or when she feels that she's going to have to relive that moment in some way and this is my problem with her being made Australian of the year and what we discussed and how I'm so conflicted about it. For all of us, it was a wonderful thing for grace. I think it's been a terrible thing because the toll it takes on her and she goes into that trauma. And as Carrie said, she goes into being a distraught 14 year old. Like, I think we all recognize that as women, we've been that. And most people have seen that either in our daughters or, or in other young women or young girls. And I get it. And so all I felt was she was in a situation where she has beef with the Prime Minister. She doesn't like the way Justified he's behaved beef. Yep. through this year. She doesn't like the way he's spoken about Brittany Higgins and his reaction to the response about sexual harassment in, in Parliament. And so she was in a situation where she was with a much more powerful man and, of course, it's going to throw her right back to the dynamic she had with her teacher. Of course it is. I think that in this rush to protect Scott Morrison from us feeling slightly uncomfortable by being around someone, do you remember during the bushfires when he went and did all those visits in all those bushfire-affected towns and someone wouldn't shake his hand? Yes. Oh, his I man. loved that. I loved it. Yeah. Mm. I didn't read a million angsty pieces
1: about that. You know? And let's remember who Scott Morrison is. And he's got yeah. the nickname Scotty from marketing and he has that because he is a man who loves a photo op. That's and right. Yeah. Him, him standing beside Grace, the Australian of the Year, with a smile. I know what this girl represents. My government is aligning with her. Yes. He had all of that baggage, and she stood there. I agree, Mia, that you know she's obviously
2: had some awful things happen to her, and she's deeply traumatized, yes. as she herself has said many times.
1: I don't reckon that's what it was. I think that mm. she's really whip smart, and I think she knew what she was going to do. Yes, and she stood there. And did it. And I think it was because she was saying, fuck your photo op. Like, yeah.
2: I, I'm not going to be used to put a gloss on a person or a position or a situation that I'm really mm. uncomfortable with and that I really feel strongly about.
0: A number of people through the week have said the shame of that is it's taken the heat off the issue.
2: Mm-hmm. It's become a,
0: a fight of personalities yeah. rather than, hey, let's not forget what's at stake here, what she's angry about. She became the source of the anger rather than the issue. But mm. you use what tools you have at your disposal. And uh, I tend to agree with you, Jess, that I think she knew the eyes of Australia and the press were on her to see how she was going to respond to standing next yeah. to Scott yeah. Morrison.
1: And she had her act of protest beside a man yeah. whose government called Brittany Higgins a lion cow. Mm. I know what I reckon's worth. Mama, Mama Mia out loud! <laughs> <laughs> Move by Mama Mia A little tennis tournament named the Australian (laughs) Open is wrapping up. And as always, the names of various tennis players have been making headlines. First, there was Djokovic. Of course, Ash Barty's name is everywhere. She's become the first Australian woman in 42 years to make the Aussie Open final tomorrow night at 7.30. Mm. Put that in your diary. Dylan Alcott, aforementioned. He lost his final in the quad wheelchair singles final. So he came second, but he's won about a hundred others. As he said, it's been a big week. It's been yeah, a big week that's for Dylan. Right.
0: And now, Dylan, focus on this.
1: Yes. <laughs> but the name attracting a lot of controversy this week is Nick Curios. And I think I've said that sentence on this show eleven times before. <laughs> he is heading into the men's doubles final tomorrow night. And despite playing great tennis, his on and off-court antics have been very divisive. On Tuesday, Curios and Kokonakis won their quarterfinal. But in a post-match interview, a New Zealander, Michael Venus, called Curios an absolute knob who had the maturity level of a 10-year-old and that's why he's never fulfilled his potential and probably never will. Now, to fully understand this comment, I think we've got to look at how Curios plays tennis. And if you've not been watching it, you're going to have missed it. He is chaos. He cannot control his emotions. And that's not necessarily a criticism. You've got your Federers, your Nadals, even your Djokovic. And they are so in control. They are calm. They are careful. Nadal picks his wedgie the same way before he serves every time. It's like watching a <laughs> robot. He like picks his at a wedgie, he turns his water bottle to a particular degree. It's watching a robot. I
2: heard that by someone who'd just gone down to watch. That yes. That it's amazing to watch. I love Nadal. He even
0: wipes the sweat off his face in a certain pattern. I don't want yes. it's a good luck pattern, or, but there's a certain rhythm
1: to it. Oh,
2: wow. Exactly, and Exactly. So Federa, intense discipline, intense yes,
1: control. Does mm. not let the emotion crack, which in a singles match I would say is very, very important. And Djokovic, off court he's a bit... You know, he's got his issues. But father. on court, he's pretty bloody good and he's pretty consistent. Now, Curios has come out this week and said tennis isn't very good at accepting different personalities. If you That's think about it as a gentleman's sport, it's wrapped up with class and status and all of those things. Curios comes in as pure chaos. He, like, cannot let a call go. So the ref calls something a let and it's not a let. He can't let it go. He riles up the crowd. He does for no reason. He'll be doing a rally and he really wants to win this point and he'll just like hit the ball between his legs for no reason, for the showmanship.
0: He's been accused of being a Harlem Globetrotter when it comes yes. to the way he plays tennis.
1: He's really, right. in a way people might see it as attention-seeking. He doesn't play by the rules in that way. However, this is an Aussie Open without Djokovic. The attention that Nick Kyrgios has grabbed for tennis but also for doubles. Doubles is a thing no one watches. Mm. And in the Aussie Open this year, they've not shown a Nadal game. They've not broadcast it. I read about this. Yes. They Mm. moved
2: from the singles like but why? Like I haven't watched a single match but I've seen that Entertainment. It is world class
1: blockbuster entertainment so it's
0: fun it's fun but the criticism that comes and that's why his opponents are critical of it is it just because he's not old-fashioned like they are or is this not how the game should be played yes it's like t20 versus test cricket this is all the fun and the color so like and not everyone big likes bash it and, there's, it's noise the big and bash. there's music but having right. said that when you're playing tennis if you're serving and it's a fault the crowd traditionally is silent why you concentrate and you go for your second serve. It seems that Kyrgios has turned the crowd into it's a gladiatorial event and people are cheering when his opponent gets a fault, they're booing when he does blah, 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 and that's what the opponents are complaining about, are saying that it's actually not fair. You've made a noise circus where this game should not have a noise circus. The fun and blah, blah, blah is one thing, but you have to respect the silences.
1: So you might have seen the headline as well about the tennis player saying that this crowd has a low IQ. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. That was curious. Is it classist? I think so. I think that there is a thing mm. about this player coming up, he's not white, he's not playing by the rules that everyone says he should Um, Everyone's obsessed with his potential and how they want him to turn into... People are angry at him for not living up to his potential. They're angry, but they're also obsessed. And there's this new young generation of tennis spectators coming who are going... And this is what Curios and Kokonakis have both said. We want you to come with a beer and have fun. There was someone doing a shoey. They thought it sounded it's like chewy. a chewy. Yes. There was
0: also a call, wasn't there? That something like Sue, I'm not sure what it was. Yes. And some of the older players are going, I thought I was being booed. So yes. it's not the Aussie 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 Oi Oi Oi. It's a new tennis version, maybe, oh. of a call.
1: Yes. And so this player was going, I'm being hounded by the spectators here. This is really difficult to play. Yeah, right. And then there was an incident where in the locker room Curios was accosted by the, like, fitness guy for another team who basically threatened him, like threatened to bash him up because they just don't like him. Like, and Curios will say, I'm not here for you guys. Like, it I'm sounds not like here for Grace Tame. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Don't you think it's this new guard of young people coming up, they're yeah. disrupting, he's saying, this is an institution similar to golf that I don't necessarily feel entirely welcome in all the time. Yeah. And I'm writing a new set of rules. And obviously he's challenging those parameters. I don't think it's ever cool to yell at an umpire, for example. However, this is a spectator sport and he's like, I'm here to get people interested and love tennis and I'm kind of excited by that I think it's cool
0: it's funny in the same way that I had that first reaction to grace and then had to think what I felt about this same with Kyrgios is that part of me wants to smack him around the back of the legs like with a ruler because he's a (laughs) naughty schoolboy. that's a thrill too one of the leading tennis journalists has called him Hugh Jackman he's the wonderful wonderful showman
2: Um. and the
0: Harlem Globetrotter comment that someone made about him was said not as a compliment it's you're making a (laughs) mockery of tennis why don't you stop that and actually play tennis oh. so they're the two schools of thought aren't they
1: I love it and people are you know obsessed with potential and because he can't play singles because he is not in control of his emotions but what he is is a great team player and with his doubles player you know he can sort of bring him back and same if he plays in any sort of team tennis tournament he'll play his best match and so to me this is this is a man learning who he is.
0: I think what will be interesting is the final of the mm-hmm. doubles because they're coming up against another Australian duo. So whipping up the crowd, it's not your Australians versus somebody else. I don't know how that's going to play out in that auditorium. be interesting to see.
1: And there tomorrow as well. The finals on, but I'm all for it. I saw a few funny tweets that were just like, "This is what no one saw coming." Is us all giving a shit about doubles men's tennis? <laughs> like that's just not normally the headline.
0: And there's Nick Kyrgios wearing high vis and board shorts, pretty much. Yeah, you know, Margaret Court would turn in a grave <laughs> if she'd passed away, but she hasn't.
1: <laughs> it's time for best and worst. Mia, do you want
2: to start? With your worst? I will. Amanda, we have a tradition where we talk about the worst and the best moments of our week. There's no judgment. They can be big. They can be incredibly trivial. I'm going to start with my worst, which is pretty serious. I'm sure you've you've seen in the news Andrew O'Keefe, who used to be a TV host on Weekend Sunrise and Deal on No Deal on Channel 7. He was arrested again yesterday for assaulting a woman. Allegedly a business partner or prospective business partner came to his apartment and he attacked her and allegedly choked her and pushed her to the ground and kicked her. He's been refused bail and there were some incredibly disturbing images that I kind of wish I hadn't looked at now that were taken by media of him being taken from the police station to, uh, I don't know, jail cell, I guess. He was in the back of the paddy wagon. He was screaming and swearing at the media and kicking at the doors and clearly very unwell. It's not the first time he has been charged with assaulting a woman. He got off without a jail sentence, when his lawyers argued last year that when he attacked his then partner, he was experiencing a severe episode of manic depression and that he had substance abuse issues. I don't know what to say about this, except that I just think about his children. I mean, the families and loved ones of anyone with severe mental illness and addiction, it's so hard. But when it's all over the news and when there's footage of your loved one at their absolute lowest moment. And I don't want to sound like I'm excusing anything he did. Of course I'm not. I mean, you know, it sounds like it's probably time for him to go to jail. I just thought that it was terrible. You know, I've met Andrew a couple of times. Amanda, I'm sure you have as well. Hmm, Lovely man. Lovely man. Used to be.
0: That's right, used to be. And I'm sure that the Seven Network had to think long and hard about how they dealt with this. He Mm. hasn't been with the network for a while. But when he has had mental health issues before and perhaps substance abuse issues before, Mm. how do you help an employee like that? I know that he's been into rehab a number of times, Mm. but you can't cut someone loose because they have mental health issues. But I'm sure this is the end of his professional line. You'd have to think. Mm. in a television sense. I, I i mean, appalling, appalling. I just wonder where you draw the line at. I was thinking of other people in similar circumstances in places of work. If someone is in obvious pain, harm to themselves and others, do you end their employment? Do you help
2: them? What do you do? And on a personal level, his family, I don't know his family, but, um, you know, what do you do? Do you cut them off? Do you stop seeing them? Do you keep seeing them? I mean, it just... This story, it seems, is not going to end well. My best is that my kids went back to school today, my two youngest kids, who are still at school, and our family got through our summer holidays and our Christmas holidays without getting COVID. And I feel enormously grateful for that, because I know that for a lot of people that was not the case. Um, Yes, our holidays were disrupted, as everybody's were, but... We got through. And it feels like
1: the biggest stroke of luck, yeah. doesn't it? Because you oh, look
2: at... pure luck.
1: And there's people that have been more careful, less yeah. careful, whatever, than I have, but you just go, it's just complete luck at this point whether yeah. or not you get it. So I know.
0: But would you rather, if you had to get it, get it in your holidays or when you're at work? Everyone I work with got it That's in their true. holidays. I didn't get it. And I'm thinking, oh, my <laughs> sense of obligation, I'll disrupt everyone if I get it now. How terrible. I should have stopped it quietly in my
1: holidays. I know. I think that your kids might, you know... Don't mind having a cheeky week off school. Well, then on see. a positive
2: note, having them at school today, I'm so, it's like the first day in a couple of months where I haven't had to be a taxi yeah. and I'm just like I haven't had to wait for someone to ask me to drive them somewhere and pick them up, so I'm living my best life
0: today. Just you using the phrase on a positive note frightening because positive has a different <laughs> so connotation true. entirely.
1: <laughs> Amanda, what's your worst of the week?
0: I've had a hard parenting week this week, and I won't go into too many details because it's about my 18-year-old son who's finished his HSC. He's smart, he's clever, he will succeed wherever he goes, but small detail and paperwork and filling out forms is not his thing, and it's been a very hard week wondering when I jump in and if I should jump in with these university forms he's been filling out. Some of them haven't been filled out correctly. I've left him alone. They haven't been filled out correctly, the ramifications of which we are dealing with as the offers come out from university this week. And I've been finding it very hard where I fluctuate between this is your thing to was it my fault that I didn't oversee this earlier to how can we fix this now? I should not be involved in fixing this now. It is really hard. And every time I see him, I'm nagging him about it. We've had a week of me nagging. Have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? And I can see when I when he sees me this week, he's recoiling and I hate that. And I go to talk about something else and then I can't help myself. Have you done this yet? And my mother used to do that to me and it drove me crazy. And so I hate that I do it to him, but the difference is that it's me and not my mum. There's no <laughs> difference at all. It's all exactly the same thing, but it's very, very hard to think, I can't just leave him to it, which would be my advice to somebody else Mm. because these are the sliding doors of life. Mm. This isn't just whether he's remembered to take a jumper on a cold day. This is the stuff that matters. Mm,
1: I am absolutely your son. I can just really relate. We used to have to say to my mum all through school, we'd go to tell her a story and then we'd go, you have to promise you're not going to call the school. Or, like, you have to promise you're not going to call the bank. I accidentally got a phone bill for $400, but you can't call them and get angry at the mum because she would just get on the phone and she's and a sort of, your battles. She's a sorter of outer yeah, Like, right. she loves to solve a problem. And we were always creating problems and couldn't... Forms are just hell. Like, Amanda, I very much Amanda, though, relate. there's an
2: extra element when it's your son. You and I have spoken a lot about the pain of... and the grief of your sons growing up. And it's really challenging to parent a teenage young man it's really hard to navigate what role you're meant to play as their mother it's so
0: hard and to see him see his hands clenching when I walk past him this week because he knows I'm going to say have you done it yet yeah and I walk past and I say I'm not going to say it I'm not going to say it and I have you done it yet yet?" (laughs) I can't help myself it's so hard but if I don't if I don't nag him how's it ever going to happen Exactly. It's it's been an exhausting, exhausting week. So, the good thing that that happened this week is I often have a a cupboard declutter before I go back to work. I've got a friend who's a stylist. I pay her to come over and we go through the cupboard. I didn't get around to it this year. So, I thought, I'll go up and just declutter my cupboard. I walked into the bedroom and said, I can't be bothered and (laughs) walked out again. (laughs) Then I saw a woman on Instagram. Her name is Jennifer Alfano, I think. And she has a site called the Fair Index. She's a former magazine editor. And she has a zero-waste clean-out wardrobe project. She looks quite minimalist, which is the opposite of me, but she says what we need to do, and I like the philosophy, learn to live with less and in so doing hone your style. I'm 59 and I still don't know what my style is. Do you guys
2: know what your style is? She does. I don't Mine at Mine is all. like a rainbow threw up on me. Is that a style? It's a condition, Jessie <laughs> <you> would say.
1: <laughs> my style is... No colour, just like blacks, whites. Yeah. I love a grey jumper. Yeah. I love something that makes you sad. The colours of sorrow. You do know your style. But what she suggested, there
0: are a number of things, one of which was pack a mini wardrobe like you're going to go on a trip, not necessarily a holiday but a trip. As she said, the ultimate packing list, your your mini wardrobe, things that make you feel good and mix and match. And she said that's your Mm. uniform. Uh. That's who you are. And you can add and subtract to that, but that's who you are. And there are a couple of other things to deal with regrets, to deal with your lazy go-tos, to get rid of those. You don't have to hold on to things that you bought as a splurge because they have a tag and you spent too much money. Let the guilt go because seeing it in your cupboard every day will make you feel bad.
1: I love that. It
0: was so good. And one of the things she said, and I'm doing this, was to start a two-week diary on what you wear every day to get a sense of how you're using your wardrobe. I have been back at work for two weeks. It's funny on radio, people tend to think that, oh, do you go to work in your pyjamas? It's like me saying to a bank teller, you're not out the front of, or to people who aren't bank tellers, if you're not at the front of the bank, do you just go to work in your pyjamas? I still work with an association of a number of people. <laughs> so I do have a shower and get changed and put makeup on and go to work. But this week I've worn the most interesting things in my wardrobe because I don't want my diary to be ashamed of me. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, I thought I was going to wear the same jeans three days in a row. I thought, I can't, I've got to write it in the diary. Instead, I'm wearing these really uncomfortable pants that are very tight in the crotch and I won't be doing that again in a hurry.
2: So you know you wear 10% of your wardrobe 90% of the time. It's
0: so true. I go back, I've got stuff jammed in. Even if I wanted to wear it, it's crushed and would need an iron. Mm. So I go back to the same portion of my wardrobe Every single time.
1: Yeah, I have clothes for the Jessie I think I will be one day, yeah. but I've never been her and I never will be her. Mm. Often they hand-me-downs from Mia yeah. and I'm like it's just I'm not going to that. Where I'm trying season. to make her more like me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, but it's like your holiday wardrobe sometimes. You pack things and you think, why did I do this? I'm That's who I want to be on holidays. Yeah, so so not true not I am. That's who I am.
1: Exactly. True. Jessie, what's your best and worst my, this week? My worst is COVID-related. It's just a quick one about people who have gotten really sick from this. And I was listening to The Daily, which is the New York Times podcast, talking about Omicron and if you're vaccinated and you're not immunocompromised, it's just a mild cold. I don't know if the people who I know had Omicron or Delta or what they had, but a lot of people I know are not okay and it is weeks on. My brothers are very fit, very into exercise. They're on Ventolin. My sister's still unwell. She's writing a great piece for Mama Mia about how it was actually on day seven that she had the breakdown, because oh. I think you think that it's going to be linear. Yes, mm. and that it's oh my goodness, I can go outside now, and she was like, I can go outside, but I can't go outside. Like I'm not, oh. I'm not well enough. I there's migraines and insomnia, and I have friends who have got this kind of underlying anxiety that isn't going away, and I just say that because. I think there's a sense that people who did get really sick feel like it might be their fault or they're weak or they're doing COVID wrong. But there's a lot of people who this has hit them really, really hard. Mm. And it reminds you as well for all the jokes that I've made about scheduling my covid we don't want this. No. <laughs> we do not want no. this. Because like,
2: you don't know which one you're going to be because there are no, some people that it's are asymptomatic. There are some people that are asymptomatic. You know, when I look at all the people I know who've got COVID and how they've gone with it, apart There's from no the fact rule. that they're all vaccinated, well, not all of them actually, I know some people who weren't vaccinated, there just seems to be no rule.
1: No. So, yeah. It's been, yeah, really hard to watch. And my best is, and this is a more summer, because this is my first best of 2022. Ah, an ocean swim. Oh just diving That's in a way. Isn't it wholesome? It's really I wholesome. have swum, despite La Nina. I have swum more this summer than I've ever swum in my life. I've chucked on a snorkel, just gone looked at some fish. There is nothing better for the soul than being in cool water and waking up. I love it. An additional best is and this is where I use out louders for my own gain. I'm up for Booktopia's Aussie Book of the Year. Mm-hmm. I made it to the top ten. And it's, Did you? Yes. Shortlisted for the top 10. Jesse. The problem is, oh. it's a popularity contest. Oh, shit. And there's a guy called Nat's What I Reckon, and he has 500,000 followers on Instagram. That's not fair. And I can't. Uh, he should be disqualified. <laughs> I think we need to disqualify him. Jimmy Barnes. People love Jimmy Barnes. Because uh, you've got this. no mouthpiece at all. Exactly. I have <laughs> Who no, mouthpiece, no. Who platform. else is there? No platform. This man named Bo Miles. I don't know any of these people. Yeah. Oh, Leanne Moriarty. I know her. Yeah. Oh, mm. She's so, I just want to beat them. So yeah. Yeah. It's pretty
0: amazing to be in the top ten with them, though. I'm not oh, saying they're better than New Jess in any I,
1: way. Can we put a link in our show notes? Link in show notes. Takes you 30 seconds. I would yes. just love. Let's love do that. Her. Let's yeah. make this happen. Exactly. A quick recommendation before we go. I'm stealing this. Is it your own book? <laughs> Voting for my book on Big Turbier. It'll make you feel so good. It is. A different book that I've listened to on Audible called Stolen Focus. Uh, Interviewed him yesterday. Was he everything? He's our new best friend. Can you explain to people what it is? His name is...
2: Johan Hari. Johan
1: Hari. Yes. He wrote Lost Connections, which is about mental health, and he's written this new book called Stolen Focus, nonfiction. It is all about why none of us can focus for more than five minutes at a time anymore. Our minds are scattered We're feeling anxious. We're flicking from device to device. He's written this whole book about why this is happening. He left all his devices behind and went to this tiny little town for three months and just went off the grid. And he talks about what happened to his brain, how it rewired itself. And what happened afterwards. And what happened afterwards. And it is so compelling. I have changed Mm. so many parts of my life and my relationship with devices since listening to try and fix my
2: broken brain. And thank you for recommending that I listen to this as an audio book because my focus isn't strong enough to read (laughs) yeah yeah well that's what you said you said i can't focus on non-fiction as physical books so i listened as an audiobook so i actually did the same thing i downloaded audible you can get the first book for free i think this is not sponsored it's just what i did and his voice is delightful so good and i interviewed him yesterday for no filter it's going to be coming up soon and when he's in sydney he's going to have a drink with us. He's <gasps> such a great guy. He's oh, I'm such a big fan. Everyone Sounds to like to
1: you're
0: both a little bit crushy.
2: Oh, so crushy. You and Amanda. Hear this voice. If you've got children, hmm. his whole point is, he said there are twelve factors because it's not like all gloom and doom, and there's nothing you can do. But he said there are twelve factors that have contributed to our tension being diminished is it something you recognize that your focus and your attention is
0: oh just listening to the way you were talking about this i thought oh my yeah absolutely yeah i thought you were
2: going to say just when you were talking i was looking at my phone yeah well, that's was right so i stopped bored. listening about half an hour that's it. right i'm uh, halfway through a movie <laughs> Do you mind? he talks about how our attention hasn't been lost it's been stolen and it's been hacked deliberately yeah and oh it's so good he's so great so good that's
1: all we've got time for today thank you so much amanda Amanda, for what joining us.
0: I loved it. Thank you so very much. Oh. Can I come along with that drink and just, you know, yeah. yes. photobomb?
2: Um, oh. Just have a drink anyway. You can wear something impressive for your diary. <laughs> a wedding dress. I'll get your wear out of that. <laughs> yes, so true. I love how you're trying to win the diary. It's like, so sad, is No it? one else is even going to look at it but you. It's so sad.
1: Thank you for listening. Thank you, Amanda. And you can listen to Amanda very early in the mornings on WSFM and on The Living Room on Friday nights, right? Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. This episode is produced by Emma Gillespie and the executive producer is Eliza Ratliff. We'll see you on Monday.
2: Holly will be back. Yes. Bye. The transmission will be resumed. <laughs> Bye. You should really consider a career in audio, Amanda. Yeah, you're good at this. You've got a lot of potential and it's never too late to change careers.
1: Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.